You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show, the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers today, so let's kick it off with Daniel from California. Hey, Ryan, Dan from California. Howdy. I've been uh, thinking about a lot of the stuff that Clayton's been saying and just a lot of the stuff that Matt LaFleur's been saying about, you know, it's always been his offense. It's just been set up as, you know, what Aaron Rodgers likes makes him with what they like to do the whole thing. And, right. And, you know, I, I totally, that's 100% true, right? It's, uh, you know, what Aaron Rodgers likes mixed in with Matt LaFleur's. And Aaron Rodgers had 100% control to change whatever he wanted at the line and everything. And, you know, you can win football that way, right? A lot of the option routes and you see what the defense is doing and you change specific routes and everything. Well, it's hard to argue with because we did. You know, but um, I, I don't know that it's necessarily optimal. I don't think that teams generally want to go out and, and do that where it's like, you know, let's bring in a coach and say, we want to run your scheme. However, we're going to have the quarterback come in and say a bunch of stuff he doesn't like. He's going to cross out and then he's going to inject a bunch of other stuff that doesn't necessarily fit, but just let him do what he wants to do. Occasionally you get a guy that's a psychopath and can just shred the league doing that. But I think we learned in Denver it's not necessarily optimal. And it, it, it makes sense, right? But the whole thing with me on what ends up happening is when you see the defense they're in, and instead of running a post, you run a shell, you know, run a, a quick slant or something, or mm-hmm. you know, do a fake. What happened? Is that me or you? That was me. That was very weird. I apologize. Let's continue. Instead of uh, you know, an out route, right? Instead of doing all that, the, what it sets you up for is when you just play the perfect defense and the only way to win is to be perfect, you don't end up getting that experience of running the perfect play against the wrong defense and making it work, right? You hear with uh, Matt, 
Matt Stafford and McVay in the Super Bowl where they ran the wrong play against like the perfect defense to stop it and they made it work, right? Yeah. That's what we need to be. We need to be, it doesn't matter the defense, if we just run our stuff, right. even when it's not in our favor, we still can get positive at it. It doesn't even need to be a touchdown, but, you know, on first down, if it's the perfect play to stop the run and we get four yards, that, you know, that's a positive play. If it's third or if it's second and 15 and, you know, it's the wrong defense, right, they're playing, you know, Two, you know, cover two or a combo two four, right? And it's you know second and fifteen, and we get ten yards off of it. Well, now it's third and five. We did what we needed to do. You know, you just can't let everything. You know, things don't need to be perfect all the time. And I think that's why we came up short. We're so used to being in the perfect play when we ran into a good defense. We couldn't overcome just running things to where it needed to be. We just couldn't execute against stuff stuff like that. So. I'm just, I'm just kind of glad to see things, even, you know, just Matt LaFleur running stuff just to run stuff and, you know, make, making stuff work because we don't need to be checked into the perfect play all the time. If we get good at running our plays against other teams, that's how you get better and that's how people end up getting over that hump to win Super Bowls, I think. So hopefully that's just thoughts I have. Monday morning, let's, uh, let this all right, um, I I am in a hundred percent agreement with I think everything that you said. Um, it's kind of kind of in line with what I've been saying. Maybe you just said it better than I say it. But I mean, really, if you think about just think about what you said and 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 how much we know that to be true. I mean, the the Packers going well back before Lafleur, right? This is Lafleur. This is McCarthy. This is all the way through. The Packers won because we're just better than you. We're just better football players. Like, what are you going to do when Aaron freaking Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and a top five offensive line come to your town? They're going to kick the crap out of you. That's what's going to happen. But what happens when that offense goes up against a stiff defense and they can't quite get into a rhythm? That connection between Rodgers and Devontae isn't quite there. or Aaron Jones can't quite find a hole to run through. We lose. That's what happens. We lose the game every time without fail. You can just feel it. You can see the frustration from Rodgers. He's angry because he's not able to quite get the things that he wants to get, and it should be there, and it's not there, and it's just game over. What do we know about Bill Belichick? Does he win because his guys are just better than the other guys? No, it's the game plan. That's why he wins football. That's why he. Would, that's what everybody says about playing the Patriots. They don't talk about, I mean, they'll talk about Tom Brady. But it was also largely the defense and the game plan, the fact that he's going to come in with a better plan than you. And he's going to make sure to take away this, that, and that, 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 so you can't do this, that, or the other thing. He ultimately had, we, we had a defensive genius that was going to make your life hell on offense, and a guy on offense, Tom Brady, who was a master at executing their offensive system, their Earhart Perkins system, whatever that means. Right? Uh, you think about Shanahan. Nobody's coming into this and saying, man, Brandon Ayuk's about to shred us. Watch out for Brock Purdy. No. Guys, I mean, yes, they have great players. They do have really good players on the team, offense and defense. But people look directly at the coaches. They look at Kyle Shanahan and and D'Amico or whoever the defensive coordinator is at the time. And they just say, those guys are better than your guys, and that's how they're going to win. And I think it's the same with the Chiefs. Yes, they have Pat Mahomes. But there's a reason Tyreek Hill can go bye-bye, and they don't go backwards even slightly. If anything, they got better. 
There's a reason there's a constant carousel of quarterbacks and players in San Francisco, and nobody seems to to uh, to count them out. Right? Quarterback goes down, yeah, they're still going to win playoffs. Like, why do you think they're going to win playoffs with Brock Purdy? Oh, yeah, wait. Crap. They were in the playoffs last year with Brock Purdy. So, yeah, I, it's just it's just a different... It's a different way of doing things. It's a different mindset. It's the direction that the Packers want to go. It's why Matt LaFleur was hired. And um, yes, there are going to be major parallels and similarities between the offense we saw with Aaron Rodgers and the offense we're going to see with Jordan Love. But the execution of those plays and, and that offense is going to be, I think, quite different in a way that we can't necessarily see. Because again, the way that those plays unravel is in a certain order for a certain reason. Right? Same with game plan. You come in with a game plan. The game plan is designed to attack a specific defense, and then we have certain play calls, and we call certain plays a certain number of times and in a certain order to reach a certain goal. Aaron Rodgers constantly checking out of that because he thinks he found a better play. Again, he's checking to a play that still would be run in the Matt LaFleur offense, obviously, but it's not the call that Matt LaFleur made. And so it's going to look similar in terms of similar plays, but it's going, if, in other words, if you just had two parallel universes and you had Jordan Love and you had Aaron Rodgers running an offense, same game plan, same plays, the offense is going to look very different. And, and let, let's just normalize the quarterback situation too. And just because obviously, yes, there's going to be slight differences because there's different skill sets, but I'm not even referring to that. So the offense will be different in, different in some ways that we won't even notice because we can't notice. We're going to go out and see Jordan Love run a play that is common to the rest of the NFL, including Matt LaFleur, without recognizing that Aaron Rodgers would not have run that play, either because he would have changed the game plan, he would have changed the playbook slightly, maybe he doesn't like that play, or he would have changed that play at the line. And yes, there are some positives to that, but as you pointed out, there are negatives to that as well. Because changing the play is constantly about, I'm just going to be better than you in this moment. It's a short-term view of things. And I don't know, maybe, maybe Jordan will do a lot of the similar things, but, but uh, you know, point taken. And I do agree. We do need to get away from this vision of just being a powerhouse that's just more talented than everybody, because I just don't think that's the way the NFL operates anymore. And I think, again, we, we confuse things like, oh, yes, we do look at the Chiefs. I don't think the Chiefs operate that way either. That's just what happens when you marry a really good system and a great play caller and a guy that listens to that play caller. And also, he just happens to be an elite quarterback. Hey Ryan, it's Jersey Mike. Um, so I'm I'm currently watching uh, or listening to the podcast of Bootleg Football. Uh, Brett, Bootleg I forget football. what his name. Who does the draft prospect prospect breakdowns? Really good ones. Uh, I think it's Lessons Coleman. That might be it. Um, oh, he, oh, he, oh, he oh. runs this with some other guy. But anyway, they're I forgot the uh, he started a new endeavor or whatever. They're doing uh, a comparison or analysis of the team, and part of their defensive analysis is just, you know, breaking down what kind of coverages we are and at what time between the 20s. Okay. So this is outside the red zone and outside, you know, pressed up against sure. our own goal line. Um, and I, I see a theme here, and I, I hate it. Um, and this is exactly the opposite of how I was taught to play football. But anyway, so they have most of the time we're sixth and eighth ranked. So we do this the sixth most and the eighth most most is zero coverage and quarter, quarter half, which I think is so stupid. Um, <laughs> we're tenth in quarters. 
right? Um, in cover one, we're 27th. In cover two, we're 27th. In cover three, we're 14th. In cover five, we're 14th. But anyway, um, what everybody's been complaining about these past few years is that we, we play so far back and we're, we're, everything, it, it takes so long for our guys to react. We just give up so much space and it, it's, it's ridiculous, right? And it reminds me of just a mantra that I, I came up playing football, um, which is why I like cover two and cover one the best, which seem to be the things that we don't play at all, is essentially cover one and cover two, you, you can use your safeties to dictate to the field. And maybe, maybe it's because they don't trust Savage, they don't trust Amos, they don't trust uh, Ford, whatever the heck. But you use your safeties to dictate the coverage of your corners. And you basically essentially allow the linebackers to cover either, you know, directly right behind them in the center and then one on a running back or tight end or whatever. And then, or you have, um, what do you call it in cover two? You've got your, your linebackers on man. And I noticed a big problem that we've had is, and I'm going to have to say this in a second one, the big problem that we had a lot of people talking about is that it takes forever for our guys to, to get there or our guys to react. And that is exactly the problem with cover, uh, with quarters, with quarters and, and cover three. Um, it, it's everybody stand back. You diagnose what's in front of you, you read off of that, and then you react to it, right? And that's just reactionary football. I'll call right back. All right, I'll let you continue. Hey, here's what I can get. So, to pick up where I left off, it's it's reactionary football. You know, I'm I'm staying in my zone, and I'm waiting for the offense to tell me what's going on. And granted, sometimes there's you want to do that, right? You want to you want to as I as you you, you probe. Right, you or you uh, get—I forget. But basically, it's just gathering of information, and sometimes you need to do that because the offense is kicking your butt, and you need to be able to gather information. Or it's third down and fourteen, and you have a little bit more time to react. But and think about cover one and cover two. Cover one specifically, all right. So you're going to have one of our middle linebackers, Squire Campbell, or if we have a, a third safety. Um, that's going to be that person. They're going to be in uh, zone coverage directly over the center, basically about 10 yards back, right? And and you're going to have a safety lined up behind him. Um, basically, what you're going to do is you're going to have your corners shade outside, right? So they're going to press everything back towards the center of the field, and you're going to have your linebacker, Quay or Devondre, and you're going to have your safety, Darnell or Rudy, um, you're going to have them back there taking everything underneath, right? There's some disadvantages to it where that safety that's, you know, over top, if he bites down really hard and misses, there's nobody over top, right? There's nobody left out there. Um, it, it, it can go for a big game. Damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. You know, but that's also where some of these safeties come up with some of the biggest interceptions in, in games. And then cover two, you use your safeties to protect the boundaries, right? And then you funnel all of your routes inside with your corners. And, I mean, you don't have to primarily do that. You play around with it in the scheme, and you can kind of move where the cover uh, where cover two is. If a guy's treating up towards the line playing underneath and a guy playing over top on their side of the field, you know, if you have, like, a tight end spread out right and multiple wide receivers out left, 
Um, that that's kind of the way that scenario would react. Like <clears throat> you bring your strong safety and have them cover underneath on that tight end, but then um, what you call it? You know, whoever's on that tight should be able to cover over top in man coverage. And it just it makes me it makes me livid because when you play cover one and cover two, you dictate to the offense. You attack the offense. You tell the offense this is where you're going, and if you don't go there, I'm taking the ball from you, right? And so you make them play with you. And then you disguise cover one or cover two, and, and you run cover three. And they're not prepared for it. And when you run cover three, now now they're planning to run, you know, outside or directly up the center, but they're not going up the seams. And if they're not going up the seams, well, now now you just run in cover three, and that's where a lot of big sacks and stuff happen on third downs. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that, that... All right, one more from Jersey Mike. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is the third one, but... Anyway, I just want to get your thoughts on it because this is this is something that's uh, to me is egregious about Joe Barry. Um, this is this is why everybody's complaining that we weren't attacking. Why it took so long to react to to running backs. Um, part of part of it is you know whoever's on that running back sees that running back and stares at that running back. If that running back is just hanging out back there, you know, blocking, that allows basically to essentially have a blitzer. Right now, your linebacker who is focusing on that that running back who is now just blocking, he he becomes a blitzer and he can go after the quarterback. Or you know he's spying for for that screen or whatever the heck. There's so many things, um, and we did see us start playing more of that towards the end of the season there. And I think that's why our defense picked up, and maybe that's why it 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 looked ugly. I, I guess. I, I just this is what I need to see from this defense this year. I need more cover one and cover two. I need more man coverage. Right? We can play Tampa two. Tampa two is real simple. It is honestly defense. The more the more you try to play around the scheme with defense, the worse it gets. Okay. Um. I I think that there's there's some things that can be done on defense to make things different, but for the most part, most. Most people understand who understand defense. You know, defense is what defense is. If you try to make it too complicated, it doesn't work because you're you're now doing weird things. Like it's like those three different pitch end arounds. Like they work sometimes, but a majority of the time they don't really work that well, and they only work when you catch somebody off guard, right? So stick to your bread and butter defense. You know, if we've got the corners we believe we do, we've got decent enough safeties, let these guys just go out there and play and, re- like, don't don't make them react. Don't make them think. Just have them react. Have them just go and dictate. You know, I, I can just imagine uh, in the Giants game, if we had Quay more on top of Saquon, how nice it would have been just to have Quake blow up through the middle and tackle Daniel Jones because Saquon was back there blocking or he was – Doing something else that that Quake couldn't didn't have to focus on him for. I just these are these are things I'm thinking of. Anyway, your thoughts? Go pack go. All right, so there's a lot there. <laughs> um, couple different things. Number one, on some degree, I do agree about about not getting too carried away with scheme. I think I I think I do have a slightly different view of offense and defense. This doesn't come from anywhere as far as data-driven. It's just a a theory floating in my head at this point. I think you can get away with being cute and delicate and sweet on offense. 
right? You can be intellectual on offense. You can be intellectual on defense, but I don't think you can be a great great defense unless you're a mean and violent defense. I think that is a that that is a prerequisite to some degree. I know everybody's going to hate this. I know Clayton and Jacob cringed when I said it, but I, I made a comment about Lucas Van Ness looking a little too pretty for me. He looks like Justin Bieber on freaking Hercules' body. Doesn't really matter, whatever, he can be a great football player. But it just got me thinking, okay, who's one pass rusher that didn't look a little off to you? That didn't look like a guy that you could find in like a prison movie? I can't think of any. Zedarius seemed like a nice guy, but in almost sort of a psychopath kind of a way. Especially when he was on the field. Remember when he and Rodgers got into it, and Rodgers was kind of smiling, and Zedarius was smiling, but he had those psychopath eyes? Did you watch the quarterbacks thing with Max Crosby? Everything about that guy looks like he did like 10 years upstate somewhere. It's not just the tattoos. It's the way, it's, it's the look in his eyes. It's the way he carries himself. It's the way he talks. Everything about the guy. They, they just seem like they're legitimately dangerous people. And they're a little bit off in the head. This isn't meant to be a Lucas Van Ness thing. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, on defense, as much as we want guys with high character and they're great guys, you have to be a little crazy, I think. Maybe not. Maybe you can have somebody that's just, you know, a, a bodybuilder. You know, they're strong and they just understand the fundamentals of playing good football. But, you know, you look at Aaron Donald. He has a freakish, uh, he has freakish DNA. He is a technician. He's also a guy that if he's not happy, he's going to literally either choke you to death or smash his helmet over your head. Like attempted murder type stuff. You can't even say Reggie, the reverend. Like, well, he, I mean, he's a, you know, devout Christian and all that. Stuff. Have you seen the guy on the football field? You're telling me that guy doesn't scare the living daylights out of you? So when Jair's running his mouth and Razul's running his mouth and these guys are out there just trying to just lay people out, even when they start getting a little physical, I mentioned, you know, somebody, I don't think it was Quay, maybe, I don't know, but, you know, one of our defenders will hit a guy out of bounds. And I mean, as in like punch them or something. I understand it's not great. And if it loses us the game, that's obviously terrible. But I don't mind a, a, a penalty here and there that was, hey, that was a little rough. Good. I really don't care. Because I think it's sort of an important piece. So, so that's the one thing. I do think that scheme at some point needs to give way to, we need to let these guys be aggressive. They're, they're wired, their DNA, as defensive players. That's how you end up a defensive player generally in the NFL, is you're, you're wired to want to just attack, to hit people. Even corners who are, who are running and defending more or less than attack, they, they still have to run up and tackle and hit. And yeah, I think if you get too cute and it's too much, every time you try to be aggressive, it's like, well, slow down there, there, buckaroo. We gotta, we gotta stay assignment sound, and we gotta. It's like you know, I, I just, you, you kind of drain that that beast mentality out of them too much. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that's what happened to the team. I'm just saying I think it's something to be cognizant of from coaches who are only thinking scheme. They're only thinking like, how can I drop the best play? You got, you can't forget the human element of this. You know, very similar to. You know, uh, the first play against the Bears. What, what are the Packers very likely to draw up within the first play or two? A wide receiver screen. Why? You want to get Jordan Love an easy completion. Why? Because there's a human element to this game. And he needs to emotionally feel as though, I can do this. I got this. I got that completion out of the way. All right, now we're rolling. Now we're moving. It's not because that's the best statistical thing that we can do in that moment. It's, it's the best personnel thing we can do in that moment to make sure our quarterback is up and ready to go. As far as... There was something else before I got to the main scheme point. Well, I'll just go there, I guess. Um, well, I'll, I'll put in this one caveat. The, the off thing to me is, you know, playing too far off. 
it kind of is going to get bubbled into my larger point, which is the the depth and deep. Well, let's just do the bigger point then, I guess. The depth and detail of the defense that they're running is so unbelievable. In other words, if, if we actually, let's say we had one hour with Joe Barry and said, look, just explain to me why you're doing what you're doing. He could spend the full hour talking about it, and I would sit there, most of us would sit there with just glazed over eyes going, what? It is, it is, you know, not to disparage your experience with football, Jersey Mike, but it is such an elevated level of everything, even compared to, well, I shouldn't say necessarily even compared to college, but to some degree, even compared to college. That's why these guys come out of college and they're like, dude, the, the intellect level here is just insane. And so I don't want to get caught in the trap of saying Joe Barry is, is doing the wrong things just because he's stupid. Obviously, a lot of coaches do the wrong things. That's why they get fired and new guys come in and you end up with a better coach. It's why there are some coaches that are better than others. It's not because everybody's doing everything perfectly because they're all geniuses and they never make mistakes. They all make mistakes. Some do it more than others. Some make bad decisions and run bad plays and all that stuff. But the point is, there there clearly is a reason. We just don't understand what it is. Now, with that said, I, I do think, I, I don't want to just give complete uh, give them a complete pass because there have been situations where you can sit and look and just say, our defense had no chance there. Same with our offensive line. I mentioned that several times. There's no way they could have succeeded in that. There needed to be some kind of a check at the line, something. Somebody needed to say something because this was never going to work. I think it's the same with the defense. And we've seen that, you know, especially... You look at like third and third and two, and, and the DBs are playing so far off that at the snap they're running either a screen or a quick out, and you'll see somebody like Jair sprint as fast as he possibly can, and he can't get there. There is no excuse for that whatsoever. I, there is no explanation in the world that Joe Barry can give that makes that okay in that instance. Now, the the only other final caveat I'll put in there is Jair took a lot of that on himself, including that specific issue. He said that Jair chose to play off more than a lot of other guys do. So whereas you're, 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 you're off, off can mean a lot of different things. And Jair said, he, again, he took it on himself. He tends to like to play back further, and that was kind of on him. Now, again, I know a lot of everybody else on, you know, Packer fans want us just pressed up all the time. But, um, you know, as, as you well know, you can't just do one thing. And each, each, each game is a little bit different, and you play certain things a certain way. And, and the, I think the one thing that, we all need to do a better job of recognizing. Not to say that there isn't a better way, because I'm sure there was. Look how bad the defense was. Of course there was a better way to do things. But there, there, there is a reality out there in which anybody out there could make a suggestion. And we run it, and we still fail. I want them playing more man. We did that. We failed. Well, I want them, uh, I want them you know, playing more cover one, cover two. And we do that, and we fail not saying definitively i'm i'm just saying it, it's a lot easier from our perspective to look at joe barry and everything he's doing and and just say well you're an idiot and we shouldn't be doing that and we should be doing something else it's possible that we were doing essentially what we should have been doing with some minor tweaks and maybe there just should have been a lot of better execution i i again i tend to think First of all, what I know is we, we need to stop wishing for a new scheme because that's not going to happen. I'm not saying you're doing that. I'm, I'm just saying in general, there's a lot of people that are like, well, we should be doing something. We're not going to do something entirely different. Alterations within the scheme, sure. But it is a combination of Joe Barry not doing a good job of getting the right calls in at the right time and just getting outmatched by offensive play callers. I, I don't think there's too many Packers scheme people that disagree with that. I don't know. I didn't do a poll. I should. But for the most part, 
anybody that I've heard from or talked to about it, you know, even on on particular plays, I'll pull up and be like, hey, you know, what's the problem here? A lot of times it is just Joe Barry, it's just not a great call. And even for me, sometimes it's just obvious because you can see that there is no winning proposition here. And, and, And to some degree, offensive and defensive play calls on a play is like rock, paper, scissors. And Joe Barry just kind of loses that game a lot. Except rock, paper, scissors is mostly chance. I know that there's some strategy to it. Some people are probably really good at it, but let's just assume it's not as much chance. It actually might not be a terrible analogy because it is a lot to do with tendencies and, and understanding your opponent and all that stuff. What we just ran, what you just threw. So I do think that's a component. And, and I think we all know also that the, the players were not playing up to that standard. And again, maybe this is just a, a bad idea. We went out and got a bunch of petting guys. And then we decided to get rid of the Petten scheme and bring in the Vic Fangio scheme, and these guys just aren't good at it. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's the hard part about questions like this. It's because we need this sort of ability to look back with infinite realities. What if we had done this? What if we had done this? What if we had hired this person? What if we had run this scheme? What if we were pressed up more? What? And just kind of run the calculations and see, okay, which one would have ended up being better? And, and I guess all I'm saying is I think a lot of them would have been awful possibly even worse than what we had last year. And yes, there's going to be one or two that are better. A a different defensive coordinator that we hired, different scheme run, different play call, different draft picks maybe, I don't know. But um, I'm I'm mostly of the mind as as far as, as complicated as I want to get on this is they seem to have figured something out down the stretch. They're going to try that again this year. Maybe it's not going to work because by the time they actually try to employ that, the, the offense has already evolved, and it's going to take Joe Barry another 10 weeks to figure out how to evolve to the new NFL. I don't know. But this is, this is very clearly the final chance for Joe Barry. If things are bad this year, he needs to go. Not freaking debatable. I think the only thing that is debatable is whether or not he should be here this year, but we're past that now. Seems like you figured some out. Great. Got a bunch of really talented players. Great. You've got a scheme that is run all over the league, and lots of teams are having success with it, right? And you understand it very well, right? Great. Make it work, and we'll see. And either we're going to have a really good defense, or it's going to be a disaster, and he needs to be fired. And, and I guess the one positive is that, again, it's a relatively young team. And so although it's very frustrating that we've wasted so many years just trying to find competent defensive coordinators, especially when it seems somewhat relatively obvious who the best candidates were, and Matt LaFleur seems to want to keep hiring his friends, there's still time to bring in somebody really solid. And again, we're looking at maybe this year, maybe, but more than likely next year, the year after that, assuming Jordan Love is the guy and we got some good wide receivers, that the Packers could become a real powerhouse. And if that's the case, next year, new defensive coordinator, two years from now, year two of that defensive coordinator, that's when everything can really start to click and we can really, really, really take off. But for all we know, we're already there. We already got the quarterback. Wide receivers are rocking and rolling, and Joe Barry's got this thing tuned up, and the NFL better freaking watch out. I don't know, man. We shall see. Why don't we go ahead and take a break? Please check out grassfedcooperative.com. It is an online meat place. (laughs) There's a lot of them out there. Um, Extremely convenient. You can buy meat in bulk. They've got a lot of high-quality grass-fed beef. If you're interested in having that shipped uh, directly to your door, Again, the website is grassfedcooperative.com. Please use promo code PACKER10, capital P, PACKER10, for 10% off your order. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. What's going on, Ryan? It's Chris from Alabama. What's going on? Uh, just calling in, man. We finally got training camp underway. Yeah. Uh, I think they what four days in now. Uh, I think the pads should be coming on today. Yep. Look forward to seeing that. Uh, a couple of little clips that we have been fortunate enough to see. Seem like every day Jordan Love gets a little bit better and better. I, agree. I know the pads haven't came on yet, and they say that training camp really doesn't start until the pads come on, but. I mean, it seemed like day one was kind of shaky, then it was a little bit better in day two, a little bit better in day three, and it said day four was his best day yet, but we'll see what goes on, goes on once the pads come on. I'm just glad it's some type of football something. Yep. And I know they ain't supposed to be filming these uh, 11-on-11s, <laughs> but... Whoever, whoever doing it, I hope, show, hope they keep doing it. Please don't get caught. <laughs> keep giving out the footage because I want to see it, especially when the pads come on. You know what I like about this? And people will disagree. I don't care. I, I'm finding more and more individual, you know, Twitter accounts that are posting this stuff. And it was Big B, right? And obviously he's a well known person. They know who he is. I mean, he, they, they, they br- it's a little bit ballsy on his part. I mean, they they brought him in. They they let him hang out with the team. He got to meet Aaron Rodgers and all that stuff. And I feel like there should be a part of you that's like, you know, the rule is stupid, but I should probably respect the rules because that's, you know, whatever. But anyways, that was his decision. He did it. But now I'm finding like, okay, there's another guy. I found that guy. But then I found another guy. And then I found another guy. And I feel like the more people are doing it and getting away with it, the more other people are going to be like, well, why not? Why shouldn't I do it? And again, the media people are getting angry because obviously they can't do it. They're going to get caught and, and banned and their press credentials will be taken away. But I certainly don't care because I just need somebody doing it. And hopefully at some point you've got 30, 40, 50 people doing it and the Packers decide, you know what, forget it. Let's just drop this thing. Now, it's entirely possible they say, fine, no more open practices. But um, I, I just feel like the more people that are doing it, the more it's going to embolden other people to do it and the less it becomes something the Packers can, can actually control. By the way, if you find somebody that's recording these, I'm not saying blast it out to the world, but if you want to just send me a DM, I probably already have it, but I want to make sure that every single human being that goes to training camp and is recording plays, I know who they are and I'm following them. Or if you're one of them, just tell me. I won't tell anybody. 
I mean, if you blow, if you blow up to the point where uh, PFF and, and guys are retweeting your stuff, which <laughs> one of the guys, he is. I saw PFF has got it, and a bunch of other people are, are posting his clips out there. At that point, I don't necessarily feel obligated to hide your identity. But up until that point, you shall remain anonymous. But anyway, they want to call in, man, just glad, that, glad to see some, some type of football going on and let you know that the season getting closer and closer to start. You blank your eye out. Blank your eye again, it'll be preseason game number one, so that's a good thing. And just hope to see improvement day by day. No, it's not going to be perfect. It's training count. It's going to be a little shaky, but as long as you get better than the last practice, that's all we can ask for at this time, at this point in time until stuff get real, real. And like I said, the past come on, that's when everything starts to get real. So go, Pat, go. And I'll talk to you later. Yeah, and I'm stunned to find out that we still have the same negative Packers legacy media people saying that that first day of padded practice was a terrible day, essentially, for Jordan Love. And um, I wasn't there. Maybe there's a lot of bad that I didn't see. But from what I did see, I, I understand there was the one play to Quay. I, I get it, right? He threw it right at Quay. Quay dropped it. Should have been picked. Again, that that stuff happens. But I've I've I don't think I've seen a better throw from Jordan Love. I mean, you, you know, he's got a pile of highlight throws, some really good throws. But the fact that two of maybe his best five or so throws were in that practice, and and there's some other throws that we have not seen. And then to go out there and just force-feed this narrative that he looks bad. Again, I, I, I'm not advocating for straight-up lying. If you have a podcast like I do, if you have a radio show, you should be honest with your listeners. But to skew more negative than is reality, and to pump out this, this, um, this narrative that is already pervasive, that is that the Packers are garbage, and Jordan Love in particular is just a trash quarterback. And for you to continue to feed into that, and I, I haven't listened to all the clips yet, but my understanding is, and I, I will, I'm sure you know exactly who they are. Now, screw it. It's Wildy and Homer. To not even so much as bring up that he had some of the best throws we've seen. Not just from him, but, but if anybody did those throws, it would have been unbelievable. You know, again, Anthony Richardson had that one throw where he rolled out to his left and hit a deep pass to Alec Pierce. That was a good throw, and everybody freaked out about it. It wasn't as good as the Jordan Love throw, in my opinion. It's, it's, it's not even super debatable to me. So if you're going to lean one way, lean into the team you support. Skew slightly positive. Mention the negative. And if you think it's bad, say it's bad. But I just, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I'm sure there's others. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't pay a ton of close attention. I don't listen to a lot of these other radio shows. Which it seems like radio skews more negative. Podcast tends to skew more positive, in, in my experience. Probably just be, by, you know, it's an age thing. Radio guys are old guys. Podcasters are all millennials and Gen Zers, for the most part. I mean, Negler is an outlier, I guess. But I'm sitting here, like, just jacked up and pumped about another great day. And I got people sending me all kinds of clips and everything else about just how bad it was and how bad Jordan looks. And it's like, why are you doing this? I don't get it. There's another clip. I'm not going to obviously do it today. Maybe tomorrow. I don't know. But just the thought process behind it is like, 
it, it just obviously comes from a place of negativity and 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 it obviously comes from an uh, from a place of Aaron Rodgers I mean I, again they buy into the narrative that Aaron Rodgers made this place what it was this team is nothing without Aaron Rodgers which again is a big middle finger to Jair Alexander to Rashawn Gary to Quay to Devondre to Razul to you know the entire freaking offensive line to Aaron Jones to AJ Dillon to Watson and Dobbs and da 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 all the way down the line. Everybody else is a piece of crap and useless. Rodgers is the only thing that was ever any good, and that includes last year. And now that we go from Rodgers to not Rodgers, we're going to go from elite to terrible, which means we're going to drop off from last year. This is the way that, that they seem to think. Doesn't matter that Rodgers didn't play well last year. For whatever reason, I don't know why it doesn't seem to matter. Doesn't seem to factor in. His name is Aaron Rodgers, therefore our team was elevated and won a bunch more games than we would have without him. Even though, statistically, again, he was bad, it doesn't matter. His name is Aaron Rodgers, therefore, without him, with anybody else with an average quarterback, which is slightly better than what he was, we would have won probably four games. So with Jordan, if he's average, we win about four games. I know this is how they think, because I'm, I'm literally quoting from what Homer said on his show. He said, Jordan Love's going to have to play good for us to get to eight wins. How does that reconcile with 2022 in any way whatsoever? It doesn't, unless you assume Aaron Rodgers was good, which he was not. But I don't know, man. I'm just... I'm just I, I'm just confused by it and annoyed by it. I, I don't like the negative spin on things, considering that's what all this is anyways. I mean, the, the Bears have got positive spin out the wazoo. They had the number one pick in football. The Packers are a historic franchise who has been dominant for years, who has got a great track record of getting quarterbacks, and we can't get anyone to spin that narrative? We can't even get a wild and crazy narrative that I think he's going to be? that. We can't get anyone to do that? We got to get some people working the media, man, because this is bad. And then we got local guys pumping out this garbage to national media guys like Colin Coward. And he's going out talking about his inside source, which is just Packers negative Packers media, saying, I've never seen him make a wow throw. And I th- I, I, it's my understanding that that same person, I believe, or whoever said that there were no wow throws in this last practice, which, again, is exactly why these videos need to come out. I watched it. Hello, Ryan. This is Thomas Austin. Hey, Tom. Known uh, contributor to your Twitter uh, mentions. Yes. Uh, I was listening to the last Back and After Dark, and I was thinking about this whole halfback situation, okay. which I haven't had or been able to talk to anyone about. I have this, but I uh, calling in. And real hard, works and tough. Anyway, off topic, back on topic. Here we go. So when it comes to a position like the tight end, where most of them are trash, a couple of them are good, and the good ones who are really good, they don't get paid for what they're worth, which is considering the fact that a good tight end is a very valuable asset to a team. Mm-hmm. And a problem with the halfback situation is that there are so many good halfbacks that it's hard to really pay an excellent one money when you have a good one. And as you said about uh, the offensive line getting recognition for if they're good, you're going to have a good uh, uh, rushing game. It's just the NFL is a weird place. And as devalue, devalue, 
I can't say that word. Devaluable? He's getting stuck on the L. D-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-
you throw the 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 uh, the breaker on and the reverse on. So that's one point. Um, second point I was thinking about is how interesting. I was listening to Clayton. I'm not sure if we're moving on to a new thing or not, but let me just address that quick. Um, I mean, I I don't think it's that unreasonable. I, I if I had to guess what it is, I, I think it's just that. In our minds, we envision there's going to be a lot of pre-snap motion with Matt LaFleur. 20% is high compared to what the rest of the NFL is doing, but that means 80% of the time we're not using it. So yeah, our our memories are not flooded with us using a lot of pre-snap motion because we're not using a lot of pre-snap motion. Relative to the rest of the NFL, we're rel- we're fairly high. But, um, you know, I, I think it's just a... Again, my, my guess is a maybe mistaken perception of what a lot of pre-snap motion looks like. And and that goes for me too. I think there was kind of this vision of constant moving back and forth. You know, this guy's going to you know, crisscrossing and this and that and the other. It's pre-snap, post-snap motion, all this stuff. People just flying all over the place. And yeah, 80% of the time we just line up, everybody's in their spot, and we just run a play. Also, one thing to consider, and I don't actually know what qualifies as pre-snap motion, but I think we also generally think of pre-snap motion as like a guy running across the formation as we snap the ball. Well, what happens when you got a guy that's, you know, lined up in the slot and then he kind of bumps over a little bit, you know? Is that pre-snap motion? What if you motion from behind the uh, Aaron Rodgers to, to the right of Aaron Rodgers or, or motion from behind, next to Rodgers to out to the slot or from the slot to out wide or vice versa, right? There, there are also, I'm, I'm assuming, other kinds of motion that are not like, you know, end-arounds fake jet sweep toss to the flat you know when you when you actually think about what i think we envisioned as pre-snap motion i don't know how often we did it but it's probably very very little which again compared to our hopes and dreams and expectations i yeah it it, it was probably a lot less and so when we think back on last year we think we didn't do it a lot and that's true we didn't but again the larger point is we're probably not going to do it much more and uh He's obviously very, very knowledgeable on the formations and things like that. And it just kind of dawned on me, um, even as a very invested uh, Packer fan, I think a lot of us are kind of in that medium territory about our knowledgeability of the game within the game. Yeah. And I do think it is interesting, this sport we love, how different it is than a lot of the other sports in the world. I mean, I'm a soccer fan, and that's pretty evident, you know, what teams are doing. You, you figure out their formation you can kind of see pretty plainly, you know, 30,000 foot view what people are doing. And in American football, you know, there's so many levels to it. You know, what is the audible? Was it a run? Did he check out of a run? Did he check to a run? And a lot of that, we just, I don't have the knowledge to know. Right. You know, but it is fun to speculate again from 30,000 feet, you know, as to what's happening. But, you know, I always remember, try to remember too, like, I just don't know. <laughs> and I don't know how to know a lot of this stuff. Um, the complexities within this game are what makes it fascinating. So take care. Love the coverage. Well, yeah, and, and, and nobody does. That's the thing. Nobody knows. Even, even you know, the, the quote-unquote experts, they'll, they'll get on here, break down the X's and O's, and what do you hear them say? Well, I, I don't know for sure. Maybe the call was this. Maybe he was trying to run this. Maybe this was this concept. I, I don't, I, you know, I, I, I don't know what the call was. And I don't know the concept or, or the reason behind what they're doing, why they're doing it, what they're trying to do. So it might have been a mistake on the quarterback. It could have been a wrong route by the wide receiver. You know, it's it is it's one of the big uh, gotchas with PFF is well, we we know that they're really bad at stuff because they don't know the play call. 
Yes, but that's an even playing field across the board for anybody trying to to analyze football effectively. That's that's true for all of us. That's why I said the the, the only thing that I would trust, I think, more than than PFF would be if the coaches themselves released their grades. But they're not going to. So it's the next best thing. And that's the same with, with people breaking down the X's and O's. A lot of people prefer that, watching watching some uh, ex-quarterback break down their thoughts on, on how a, uh, the quarterback did on in this game or whatever. There are limitations to that because you don't know the play call. You don't know what the quarterback was asked to do. You, you can... You can make general assumptions a lot of the time based on, you know, I know this concept, I know how it's supposed to operate, but not always. And even then is maybe, because things can change in a given game. You know, we're going to run this, but I want you to keep an eye on this or whatever. And, and a lot of times that's the thing. It's also why I think part of the reason a lot of these, you know, quarterbacks or whoever skew positive, because a positive play is a positive play. Here's the concept. Here's what he did. Bum, 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 he's great. But then the negative, what is it? Well, the quarterback messed up. However, it's possible maybe he was told he's supposed to maybe maybe so it's always this was good and this was maybe bad or a lot of times i mean sometimes you just airmail a ball or you know your your throwing motion is garbage or your feet aren't set right i mean there are certain things that you can definitively see but you're right it's it's an unbelievably complex sport it's like i said it's one of those things that the the deeper you get into it the more you realize you don't know you know and and again i'm i am firmly of the belief that even guys like Matt LaFleur and guys like Kyle Shanahan are sitting there and and even they you know they maybe wouldn't admit it maybe they would even they are sitting there just swimming in in information going man I I am just scratching the surface here I mean there's a reason they these guys you know many of them will sleep under their desks it's not because they figured it all out it's just a constant stream of information and then the evolution of things that's the other thing. Even if you've got a really good grasp on it, there is no it to grasp. It's just a constant evolving thing that you have to stay in front of. You have to keep rebuilding and redesigning and relearning everything. So yeah, it is It is a very, I think, unique sport. Not that I am an expert in all things sports, but you know, you listen to stats people and they're like, baseball straightforward. We can pretty much almost guarantee XYZ is going to happen. Because we know, like we, we know your batting average, we know this pitcher, you know, the percentages that they're going to throw these things, the success rate for each one of those throws. The batter, same thing. We know all these different pitches, the success rate for these. So we, we can, with high reliability, make predictions statistically in baseball. You cannot do that in football. You just can't. It's not one-on-one, first of all, and there's a lot more variables. It's part of what makes it a pretty cool sport. But it also can be frustrating because, again, I think a lot of people try to pigeonhole it into this very simplistic, you know, binary thing. On, off. Yes, no. True, false. Good, bad. And, 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 and I think one of the age, other major things, and, and this probably applies to a lot of other sports, but, but I don't even think to the same degree. It's a lot of team sports. I don't know that there is a, a better encapsulation of a team sport than football. You know, I'm, I, I would, from what I know, baseball teams, basketball teams, soccer teams can be carried by superstars to a much higher degree than, than football can be. And again, even if you have a superstar like Rodgers, you still struggle to win championships. Because again, what we what we face, which is the, there's there's the locker room dynamic. There's there's an attitude thing. It's it is a team thing. In fact, let me let me just finish with this quote, and then we'll get out of here. I'll just pick this up somewhere in the middle. But Dan Campbell went on a rant about his love for football. Game better. The game speaks for itself, and the only thing we can do is mess it up. And to me, don't ever disrespect this game because it is, in my opinion, it's the greatest. It's the greatest sport that you can possibly play, man. It's a team sport. Man, you, there's blood, there's sweat, there's tears, uh, and, and everybody's got to be 
got to be going the same way to have success. One guy is out of the boat or he's not rowing and it'll mess everything up. And I just think it's not for everybody. Um, but, but I just, I respect the hell out of it. And to me, we, we owe it as players, coaches, anybody that's associated with to give it everything you've got. Cause it is an unbelievable game, man. Mm-hmm. You, you're about to cry. I know. I just get emotional. Yes, talking about I it love bit. it. I mean, that's, yeah. I, it's, it's I, it makes me so pumped when you talk about football. I want to play the last part because it's kind of funny, but but I, I I think that's it. It's such a complex game, and, and and you know, on one hand, you have to simplify it because not everybody can understand it to the level of of Kyle Shanahan. It's not going to happen. But we also need to appreciate the complexity of it, and not just the X's nose or the the data driven complexity, but the human complexity. Like you said, you got one guy not rowing or rowing the wrong way, you're you're done. That's insane. But I think it's true, or at least maybe maybe not a hundred percent. But you get the idea. I'm sure you can have one freaking goofball not pulling his weight and still do well. But anyways, I'm gonna get out of here. You guys have a good rest of your night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye.